Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You identify one, and then the title says, "Listen, they don't pay me to count at SB Nation." I mean, arguably, sorry, SB Nation, they really sort of don't pay me at all. But anyhow, listen, I am not paid to count, so just whatever this is, I think it's number one eighteen. If it matches up, funny, you know, five years from now when you want to learn about Comerica Park in Detroit, and you're looking this podcast up, hey man, just roll with it, okay? Just roll with it. We are here at Podcast 118, quote unquote, to talk first and foremost about the ballpark in Detroit. And then in the second half, we'll, we can't avoid it. We got to talk about the White Sox and their playoff chances and the general biorhythms we're feeling about the team itself. But two people uh, at the park, uh, at least one on Saturday, one for the whole weekend, because why not? Let's spend the whole weekend and let's secure a series win. It's Elizabeth Gonzalez and Crystal O'Keefe. Thank you both for uh, for for joining up for this uh, Detroit talk. Anytime, I'm always here. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you're right. We don't. Yeah, you don't want to know behind the scenes, but we just never let Crystal leave. She's I just, just here. live in Zoom. Yes, covering and covering dozens of games maybe hundreds of games for us by the time this is over. I, but of course, I don't want to run her off. And listen, 
let's just let's just lead off with the fact that the White Sox, as you threatened them, if they didn't win on Saturday, you were out. You were going to give up. And Crystal, they won on Saturday. They made it very exciting for you, but they did win. It sort of rewarded the breakneck trip you, you took in the first place uh, to get there and get back. Uh, so uh, you didn't lie. You're 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 like totally on board for these for these uh, last two weeks. I'm on board. I would have preferred they made it more exciting early on so that it didn't go into extras because the girl was tired and she had to be up at 5 a.m. the next day. But it was fun. I mean, they made it happen. Um, yeah, so all in. All right. And you found the energy to meet up with Elizabeth before the game. We had the picture to prove it to Southside Sacks. In fact, I think more than that, but at least two that actually identified themselves to one another. Uh, Elizabeth, um, this made a, this park seemed to make a pretty good impression on you, uh, given that we just talked Seattle and Oakland. Let's just let you take the baton there and, and talk about how uh, how Comerica um, comps with them and, and sort of where it's ranking for you. Yeah, so I I definitely did like it. I think I tweeted that out like two seconds after setting, into, setting foot into the park this time. Um, I think what I like most about the park is everything is intentional in terms of like detail specific to either Detroit or the Tigers. Um, there are, of course, entertainment aspects that are in every park, but all of those seem really intentional um, to keep the focus on Detroit specifically. Um, obviously, their mascot is the Tigers and you don't really see Comerica very often in the park other than like on the dugout. So I really appreciated that, but there's no detail too small in that park to not remind you exactly where you are mm-hmm. um, at all times. So I liked that aspect about it for sure. And they haven't changed the name yet. So I guess uh, it'd be forgiven for even Detroit area fans to call it Comerica park. Yeah, unlike at least my preference with the white Sox, just call it Sox park because a, the corporate sponsorships are, uh, they're obnoxious in the White Sox mm-hmm. case. There's nothing that flows at all. And, you know, at some point when you're switching them, like every five years, this is called Sox Park. This is, you know, this is becoming too much of a chase. Um, but uh, Crystal, your impression, uh, you'd, you'd been to uh, Detroit before, the, the ballpark there before, but, uh, you know, so how's it rank and, and, and what's the vibe there for you? I, I really enjoy that park too, but what I appreciate the most is how kid-friendly that park mm-hmm. truly is and like elizabeth just mentioned they have all these great details like they have this carousel and it's only tigers on the carousel which i thought was cute and they've got like their ferris wheel and that whole kind of area that you can walk in they have like all the really good food and the carousel and just all these things you can interact with and then the team store so it's like they they know what they're doing in terms of a park and then they have like a daiquiri booth <laughs> Elizabeth, in case things went the wrong way in case the things went <laughs> yeah. the wrong way on saturday you had a you had already yeah. figured out you're out that's good yeah. yeah my kids my kids walked out saying that that was their new favorite park they've been to four now they put guaranteed rate field last and i said i don't blame you it's not the best um but yeah i mean they loved it my husband loved it we just we had a really good time and there aren't really bad seats there like we intentionally got up in 300 level because that's where a friend of mine was sitting anyway and we get up there and like right behind first bay or home plate I mean and you can just see everything it's just it's just a stunning view that park is really pretty mm-hmm. so 
That's another one of the many um, downtown parks. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Detroit doesn't have maybe as impressive or a standout of skyline as you might see, or at least from the ballpark vistas you see in Pittsburgh and even, uh, forgive me for saying it, Elizabeth, uh, in Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, it's still there. Um, uh, bonus points, maybe, maybe not, maybe not given the fact that they're they were playing and then there was some auto show as well, but bonus points for the proximity, I guess, to the, uh, was it Ford field or where the football field is, uh, you know, that, that's sort of convenience. I mean, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but uh, certainly means that everything sports wise is sort of somewhat centrally the, located. The new Red Wing stadium is right there too. Oh, mm -hmm. wow. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. You walk out and anymore. it's like big theaters, it's Red Wings and mm -hmm. hockey town. And then, right across the street is Ford Field. Like, it's just, it's really cool because that whole, like, city, that area there, it's just so vibrant. Mm -hmm. And it's just fun. And there are always people out and music to be played. And and then you have your three major sports teams yeah. just right there. Um, yeah. So it, yeah. it's it's a cool place to go. Yeah. Sorry, Pistons. Are the Pistons playing there too? Is it, is it both? I don't, I don't even know. If we it's don't just care about Pistons. Yeah, we don't care about the Pistons. Uh, yeah, Fox Theater. Um, you know, and, and last time I've been, gosh, we're talking about 10 years ago. So, I mean, I'm sure the area itself, I mean, it was maybe Detroit was just beginning um, maybe to come back uh, at, at that point or was certainly still on its climb. And so I imagine, yeah, the vibrancy there and the excitement of being um, sort of so central there where everything is going on has, has got to be increased. Um, it was very hectic though that weekend, because like you said, there was the auto show. Chris Rock was playing across the street at Fox theater and Eminem has that new restaurant, mom spaghetti. And those lines were just wrapped around <laughs> the block Eminem and then the lions played the next day. So it was pretty, pretty crazy weekend. Yeah, I'm old enough to have been to Tiger Stadium, and that was that was quite a ballpark too. It was a quirky ballpark, and the thing I really stood out to me there uh, was how close you were to home plate. Um, the there was no foul territory behind home plate, and that was sort of a cool quirk. And imagine we did not have seats there; we were underneath that weird um, home run overhang uh, where balls just go to die, and they, you know you just lose them; you can't even see them. Uh, but boy, if you had seats anywhere. You know, anywhere between the dugouts, I'd say, man, it would have to feel like you were right on top of the action. But that's the old park. We're not going to talk about that. Uh, so overall, uh, a, a pretty, pretty high marks overall. Now, Elizabeth, is this standing as your favorite at this point? I mean, I know, you know, it's like naming your favorite kid. I mean, you're always going, OK, the last one I went to. I, boy, I loved it. It was so wonderful. But, you know, right off the bat, you were pretty impressed. And it's not to diss Seattle or well, it is to diss Minnesota. It's certainly not to diss Oakland because they're not really in this competition. Twenty nine good ballparks and one or twenty eight, and uh, a couple bad. But uh, is it holding up uh, upon reflection and come back home in that uh, as 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 pretty strong, if not best? Yeah, I would say T-Mobile Park and Comerica is probably top two for me at this point. Um, I would say for sure, at least like in the Midwest, it's probably up there for me, at least against the teams that compete in AL Central. So again, the fact that Tigers fans are in Comerica Park is not as annoying to you as Twins fans being at Target Field. So <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, but <laughs> we're talking it was a conversation. So for the people that don't know or haven't 
um, run across me out on, on the tour, if you will, um, I have been bringing my mom with me. So we kind of discuss things after, and I'm kind of going over things in my head of what we liked or didn't, or asking her if I'm forgetting any details, things of that nature. Um, so the only unfortunate thing I will say about this part compared to all the others is some of the fans were a little bit nasty <laughs> and I hadn't experienced that in any of the other parks. Um, so that obviously it could have just been a few of the fans that I happen to be sitting around. Um, it was weird to me because their team wasn't competing for anything. So I didn't really understand the nastiness as compared to like the Mariners fans, for example, um, who were basically just hanging on a prayer that their team's going to make playoffs, which is funny because they're so talented this yeah. year. Um, so that was interesting to me. Um, the people at the park are, were amazing. I had great conversations and to Crystal's point, it's so built up. I, had multiple conversations with people in the park, out of the park, just around the the Detroit area. And Dan Gilbert kept coming up of he's he was investing in making Detroit what it is right now. Um, he's the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers, so um, that was interesting. But yeah, it's people are sleeping on the city of Detroit. It's mm-hmm. it's back, and I enjoyed my time there, um, but not so much some of the nasty fans. But that's so okay. so this so just this really just comes really out of you. Being, you know, just showing up with your mind, you you got socks, gear, and just not not being made to feel very welcome. Yeah, so it was like later on. The first particular group of fans were like later on in the first game when it went into extras, and they were fans that weren't even sitting in that section. I have no idea where they came from. They were like younger. They, I mean, the one guy was like twenty four. He even told me what his name was or how old he was. Um, so they were just yelling like nasty stuff at our players, which I don't, uh, that's just not the kind of fan that I am. I know some people like to do that and they get enjoyment out of that. That's just not me. <laughs> I'm positive through and through. Um, I think some people heard me screaming on one of the Oakland broadcasts. So sorry about that. <laughs> it, it is a distinct voice. I got a lot of texts and DMs about that, but um, that was the one instance. And then the other, one of the other days, I think it was the day that Crystal was there, um, there was a fan wearing a Javi Baez jersey sitting in front of me. Um, it was a Wrigleyville Javi Baez, that's worth noting. Um, and at one point, Eloy got hit with uh, the ball. Um, and earlier on in the game, he was yelling out, like, thanks, Cubs, um, which, okay, if you want to give him credit for something, sure. Um, and then later on, when Eloy got hit with the pitch, um, he was like, hit him again. And I just, didn't understand that um so just kind of things that didn't need to be said as far as I'm concerned um but um the people that worked there were lovely I had really great conversations with a lot of them including um one of the ushers on the last day that told me that she actually hoped that we were winning because they weren't playing for anything and it was it was never going to be the guardians for her so (laughs) she was cheering on the White Sox so I appreciated that well, shout out to EG's mom. Uh, sorry to understand <laughs> that. Uh, I know the few times I got in games with my mom, uh, she would not hesitate to report people were being noxious. Of course, you usually ended up at crosstown games. I don't know how that ended up happening, but yeah, she would not hesitate to go up and and uh, and, and scold and and just force the embarrassment of an usher having to come and say, "Hey, could you guys cool it down with like the nonstop cussing?" But you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, not okay. That's not a fun. Yeah, that is a good color your experience of Detroit. I'm sorry to say, listen, don't mean to color the city, but you are on notice. Let's clean it up a little bit. You know, I mean, it might be more fun when like you're actually playing for something, or I don't know, Javier Baez is like retired by then because man, oh man, you're not going to get your money's worth on that contract. Sorry, Tigers fan. Sorry, but uh, 
all right anyway that's that's detroit it's a it's a wrap uh it's a nice park uh we can all agree uh, I would not put it at the top. I'm thinking Crystal's not putting it at the top. But right now, despite that experience, despite the confused, uh, borderline um, nasty um, fans in, 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 in a couple of experiences, uh, Elizabeth's still giving it uh, a pretty good thumbs up. So, you know, let's see where you rank at the end of the year. Uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, let's, let's come on back and talk White Sox. For some reason, let's talk about them. I got two fans who have pledged to go to October, was it 5th, October 3rd, whatever it is, uh, uh, down with the ship with the White Sox, if the ship is to go down. Hang with us. Uh, if you're one of those fans, hang with us for a minute, and we'll be talking White Sox specific uh, when we come back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. White Sox fans, it's podcast, rumored has it, quote unquote, number 118. Do not check my math. Please don't. There's no point. It's always going to be wrong. Uh, we talked first half, Comerica Park, Detroit experience. Detroit's back, baby. We were all Detroiters for the first half of the podcast, but now we're not. We're White Sox fans again. Kristen, we know, has renewed her devotion and dedication to the White Sox simply because they won for her. They rewarded her breakneck trip with family uh, to Comerica Park to see them. They teased her <laughs> with that extra innings game, but they won. So she's now obligated, if not to pick up more writing assignments, at least to root until it's it's all it's all I done. did you pick know? up more assignments just today. Yes, so. you did, Kristen. You just can't. It's like a reflex action. I don't know what you're doing, but you're doing it. And, and bless you for it, because otherwise it falls on me. So thank you. Thank you, Crystal. Thanks for taking one for the mm-hmm. team again. And Elizabeth, she's it, it seems just hardcore enough to say listen i am going down with these guys i'm not going to root against my team i'm not going to laugh at my team i'm just in it you know it has nothing to do with the ballpark tour it has nothing to do with being a Southside Sox member because if it did she probably would be more embittered <laughs> so we'll wait till next year for that elizabeth but uh okay we got two guests here who are just on board it's not that i'm not but certainly compared to my my two lovely guests uh, i'm going to be a little bit more cynical okay let's catch up quickly uh, with the win today, the White Sox are four games behind Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland's magic number down to 12. Uh, White Sox chances of winning the division 10% on fan graphs. Although don't get too depressed. They have a 1.6 chance at the wild card. Okay. So that's 11.6, 11.7 chance of the playoffs right now. That can change a lot this week. And that's what this week is all about. It is the White Sox playoffs. And that, that isn't meant to be derogatory, like, oh, this is, they're not going to make the playoffs, so this is what they're playing for. But no, this the playoffs begin early for the White Sox. This is a playoff series. They have to, at this point, realistically, they have to sweep Cleveland. 
Uh, they win two out of three. They're still Cleveland leaves town up two with the tiebreaker. Um, that's trouble. Uh, there's just not enough time to make it up. Cleveland doesn't have a tough enough schedule. They have too many games at home. It's just going to be, it's going to be, I mean, you know, not to pop any balloons here, but uh, it's, it's really going to be a, a difficult uh, hill to climb. So uh, Crystal Elizabeth, uh, you know, as much hard math as I just threw down there, uh, do you have a different take? Is there a way for the white sections to win two out of three and still have a chance here? Or is this the statement they need to make to not only get themselves right into it, uh, back into it. They won't have been first place at the end of the series, uh, no matter what. Get themselves back into it and deliver a message that says, we are coming for, we're coming for you, Cleveland. Does it have to be a sweep? Yeah, I think it does. But I also trust, I mean, because what we've got, I know we've got Cease pitching this series. So I have a bit more trust that they can do it. And after seeing what happens, you know, in Sunday's game with that, kind of crazy offensive bats or hot game. I think they can do it. I'm sorry. But no, I do think they still need to sweep though. Yeah, just to jump in before Elizabeth, the, the pitching matchups are as dynamite as they can be. Um the they both teams are going after each other, which means unfortunately uh Lucas is not going to be pitching in this series yeah. unless Johnny Cueto is like still lightheaded or gets sick again. Uh, we have uh, Cease, Lynn, and Cueto scheduled as of right now. I believe it is Savale, McKenzie, and Bieber for Cleveland. I mean, they are – this is the Battle Royale. This is – play. I mean, in a sense, it's not really playoffs for uh, for Cleveland, but, I mean, they still have to fend off the Sox. So, uh, Elizabeth, your take on what's going to have to happen – what is going to have to happen this week for the White Sox to be considered, you know, still in it? Yeah, I think the series uh, in particular is going to be a good testament and kind of get the fans on board or be like, okay, we're done. Like, basically, our pitching has to be stellar. Um, There can be no room for error. Um, Our bats have to be hot and our defense has to be there. Like, this is playoff baseball as far as I'm concerned. So um, I hope the fans that are lucky enough to attend these games, I'm so upset that I will not be at home in Chicago. Um, treated as such. Um, if we get down early, like don't quit on the team. They need the positivity. They need people cheering. They need to feel the energy. The stadium cannot be dead. They feed off of that. So, um, do I think it's possible to sweep? Yeah. We're putting our best foot forward. Um, and our bullpen has been great. I mean, the outcome that we had with Vince and, um, Davis and, uh, um, everything else that we had going on. Um, I think that we can do it. We have all the tools. It's just a matter of if they all fit together correctly at one time. And I think that's been the biggest key piece missing at different points in the season. So, um, we're actually hitting home runs. I know like Chuck always likes to say on like post game or pregame, like we need more home runs. We're doing that. So if we can continue to do that, I think they have a good shot. Yeah, the opener is the big advantage for the White Sox, pitching matchup wise, uh, and probably and probably just momentum wise. White Sox are going to be a day rested. Um, Cease big advantage o- over Savali. Savali's not been a bad pitcher by any stretch, but really of the six probably going in the series, he's probably um, you know he might be considered the uh, the weakest. So this is the time to really jump. And of course, you know, conversely, if if the White Sox can't pull that game out, it is going to make the rest of the series tough. And and what uh, Elizabeth is speaking to, it's going to be tough to get energy in that park. 
knowing the tiebreaker is gone. I mean, the Sox really do need to make a, um, I mean, a win's a win, but a statement would be great in that first game because then that momentum starts to build. So what's the take here? White, uh, the uh, Cleveland just <laughs> very challenging. They've had a tough stretch. They've had to make up games, uh, five games in uh, four days, including a preposterous like, 20, what, 22, 21 uh, innings played uh, on Saturday, I believe, with the extra inning game. Um, they won four of five from Minnesota, which is no great feat, given the Minnesota has already made all of their um, – their vacation and, 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 and fishing expedition uh, appointments for the off season. Cause they don't care. They are just absolutely mailing in, but the Cleveland still, you got to show up, you got to play the games. Um, they've done that. Uh, but you got to figure they're a little bit gas, particularly that, that bullpen. You got to figure these guys are really going to be uh, stretching, really trying to search for energy against a team. That's not going to let up on them. Uh, is this a nice advantage for the White Sox going uh, into this series? Well, I mean, technically he's been sick, but Cueto's had quite some time off too to rest. So you've got two of your best pitchers resting for an extended period. And truth be told, the only Cleveland pitcher I'd be concerned about is probably McKenzie. So, and and that, what, that's Lance going against McKenzie, right? Yes. Yes. I'm not super worried because they've had plenty of rest and they are finally hitting home runs again. So I think it'll be okay. Yeah. Elizabeth, you think the Sox are going to have an opportunity to just jump on these guys? Cause they're, you know, I, I'm not going to say fumes because we don't know what the capacity of Cleveland is. They just might be able to keep digging and digging and digging. They, they you know, they could easily sweep, sweep the Sox, the Sox uh, sweep them, but you, you got to know I mean, there got to be some soreness right now. Yeah. I mean, They've had frustrations that pitchers getting hurt from punching mounds. So I think like that. So I feel like um, one thing I will say did notice um, from our side in terms of frustration is Andrew Vaughn in the game that he hit the grand slam. <clears throat> he was not having good at bats during that game. He was getting frustrated. He came back to the dugout and kind of hit his bat down on the ground out of frustration, not like aggressive or anything mm-hmm. like that, just kind of like a darn type of thing. And then his next at bat, he hit that grand slam. So I think it's just going to be a matter of like, how do you deal with being tired and frustration against a good team? Um, I also, I can't remember what player said it. I think it might've been Elvis, but you can't stay hot that long. Um, especially when you've been playing as many games as they've been playing. Um, they're probably running on fumes at this point. Um, and to Crystal's point, like Johnny has had a lot of rest and I, I know he had to have been down for the count for him to miss a start. Like he is just not that type of person that had to absolutely kill him. So um, I think he's going to come back with vengeance. He's been strong for this team all, all year long um, since he got on the team. It hasn't even been the whole year, which is so crazy. Um, so I think that he'll be ready to go for his third start. And I think that's just going to be the momentum push that they need to kind of carry out the rest of the games that they have. Um, but it's a great start with Dylan. They tried to avoid him yeah. <laughs> and he's starting for us. So in game one, so I think it'll be great. And like you mentioned before, this is likely our playoff rotation um, when we get there. So it'll be a good kind of test run for us. When we get there. Now that Elizabeth got to put it out more. She is on the train. <laughs> if you uh, don't say it out loud, you're not going to believe it. That's exactly. Manifest. Yeah. Gosh, look at this. We've just made this. We're, we're turning this into motivational speeching. This is free. <laughs> SB Nation Vox, this is free. You're just getting this for bonus. 
Um, I'm going to charge your... all my crystals and manifest. <laughs> <laughs> send your donations to P.O. Box. Okay, um, <laughs> let's chat a little bit about um, leadership on these teams. White Sox have struggled. There's no way around it. They've played five months of lousy baseball, uh, but it only takes one, given how bad this division's been. Sorry, even Cleveland, you're not that far ahead of us, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to make it right, <laughs> to sort of erase it all. Uh, Cleveland's a young team. Certainly there are veterans on the team, you know, Jose Ramirez, you know, certainly been around now long enough, um, to lead. Uh, I'm not sure what you'd say about the pitching leadership, given the fact that maybe the elder statesman on the staff can't stop hurting himself because he's a clown having even his, uh, agency representing him drop him because he keeps hurting himself. You know, Kopech, he's, he's young to the game, uh, still relatively. So he's had some hothead trouble in the past and he's, you know, he's messed around a little bit this year in hurting himself. Uh, you know, but I mean, he's still, he's still a young guy. He's not a Cy Young candidate yet. Um, I'm not sure if I would um, um, buy too much of Cleveland's leadership, even given the experienced uh, managerial hand of Francona uh, White Sox have Pito. Uh, Andrews, uh, certainly, you know, you got to throw in there, even though he's new to the team, you've got a guy like uh, TA, you know, come, he's with the team, you know, whether he's actually uh, playing in this series, you know, he's there as a steadying hand. Um, the White Sox have an advantage, uh, uh, do you think in terms of this leadership mix? And, you know, again, we don't have to necessarily, uh, deep six Larusa on this, but the fact that Larusa is not here and you're getting some, you're getting a fresh take, uh, you're getting a good, clearly good vibe in the clubhouse with him, not there with uh, Cairo running the show. Uh, sort of that, sort of that leadership and that 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 calm and focus maybe advantage also to Chicago. I think right now they've got leaders in Johnny Cueto and Lance Lynn, and maybe they're not the calmest <laughs> um, on that squad. But I think they kind of need more chaos. I don't think they need mm-hmm. calm. I think they need mm-hmm. chaos, and that's what's going to fuel them. I mean, Elizabeth said it earlier. Like they thrive off that crowd noise and that energy. And I think they, they just need chaos and they need Johnny or Lance just screaming at them from the dugout to do something. So I think, I think they have great leaders in them. And I think just being away and being in a more positive environment since Tony's left, since they all seem to be speaking on this, it's better we're having more fun. We're winning thing. So I think they have two phenomenal leaders already that give them the chaos and energy that they need to pull through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're not going to look to Pito for, for, for chaos. So yes, in terms of that <laughs> firing guys up, lighting a fire uh, and, and giving even some guys, some, some red ass, uh, you know, if, if they're not, you know, if they're not doing what they need to be doing. Yeah. I, I would definitely think Lance Lynn is probably first on the list. I'm not sure about Cueto, but Lynn is definitely, we've already seen him um, not, not hesitate to, to bark. Uh, Elizabeth, you think there's, um you know, sort of a, not maturity or anything, but just maybe a, a leadership advantage for the White Sox, just the mix that they have. Yeah. I mean, to echo what Crystal said, but also add on, like I could hear them in the dugout. Like when one of them would get like a, a pop out or whatever, like they would come back to the dugout and you could hear guys razzing on them. Like they're chirping at each other. They're being playful about it, but they're also expecting better from each other. And I think that openness and that type of culture was maybe something they couldn't have before that they are now thriving on. Um, Miguel's always at the top of the dugout. Um, He gave multiple hugs to different players at the end of the third game. Um, so I think different things like that um, during pitching changes, like Elvis was gathering everyone and visibly giving like tips, whether it was hitting tips or 
fielding tips or whatever he was doing. Obviously, I wasn't in the conversation, but I could see him doing mm-hmm. different motions um, to the guys and everyone was paying attention to what he was saying. So um, all those different elements add up to the results that we're currently seeing. Um, so, you know, if they get down early, you you better believe Lance Lynn is going mm-hmm. to instill the fear of God in them, I think, because um, <laughs> that's what he's good at. So um, I think I think they've got the, what they need in different people. Um, but for sure, the veteran leadership, I think, is definitely there. Yeah. And these are guys who have been, you know, I mean, if we want to call this playoffs and I, boy, they better be thinking about it and that better be on the, you know, on the, on the dry erase board and the clubhouse. I mean, this is a playoff series. You got Lance Lynn, who's been the world series. You got Cueto's been a world series hero. Grandal has been in um, several playoffs. Um, you've got guys who have the experience. Andrews, he says this is the best team he's ever played on. He's been on teams, other teams, not the White Sox in the World Series. But th- these guys have been through these battles too. So that can only help this team in terms of, it's not like Andrew Vaughn doesn't know what to do. He's been an elite college player, you know, clearly. But it doesn't hurt in terms of whether or not to panic, whether when to, you know, even what Elvis is doing out there on the field, just saying, okay, here, just little things. It could be helping. It could be too little too late because you wonder maybe where some of that fire was, you know, earlier when the Sox were giving games away and putting themselves in a position that even a sweep doesn't get them in, in first place uh, as Cleveland, as a kick Cleveland out of town this week. Uh, but I mean, it's better late than never. They're still within enough of a striking distance with limited games left um, that even that playoff experience in this very series, the White Sox playoff series uh, mm-hmm. is only going to be a help. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything to add to that? Um, the um, the Cairo experience. You know, Elizabeth, you've spoken to the fact that you've seen a, a lot of. I mean, I think we've we've all seen it. We've seen his post game, you know, talks. We've mm-hmm. seen him walk this very um, delicate line uh, where he's not going to, you know, in, in, insult in any way. You know, Tony, who's the reason he's here. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, of course, he's gonna he's gonna you know answer questions you know straight up. Um, you know, be honest about where things are at and what the team's doing. And, you know, as he took the team, he had the talk, you know, the, whatever, the famous talk that Liam at least acknowledged as being like, hey, let's go out and have fun. Well, there's, we got a month left. There's not, nothing to lose. Let's go out and have fun now, which maybe was something missing for five months. Um, is this a guy who has um, successfully auditioned to keep this role in 2023? Uh, let's say, goes without saying the rest of the year, because that's still up for question whether Tony comes back and takes the top spot, you know, top rung of the dugout. Um, but has Miguel done enough that the White Sox just roll with him in 2023 if it comes to that? I don't know. I, I One thing I will say, I've read a bunch of articles on different speculations of who should be the next fit for the White Sox. And one thing that I feel like is missing or the articles don't discuss is the Latin connection. I think our team is mostly Latin players and there's a big disconnect. There's one thing to be able to speak the language fluently, but there's Mm -hmm. another thing to be able to relate to the players on that level of knowing what they're going through. And I think that that has helped the team relate to him um, because we do still have a lot of younger players that are dealing with different things. The thing about Yohan Mankata came out about how his family is not here mm-hmm. um, with uh, Billy leading that coffee mm-hmm. Q and a talk in Spanish. So um, I think there's a lot that could be said to having someone that can relate to the guys on that level, um, whether or not he's earned a spot. I don't know. Um, but I do think that that's interesting because I do see him um, in pregames and batting practice and things of that nature. He's out there with the guys talking to them bat in hand 
you know, um, doing lots of things. So okay, to that point, work. Elizabeth, um, not to undermine the seriousness of the Comerica Park discussion or the White Sox playoff series this week, starting starting tonight uh, with Cleveland. So not to end it on a goof note, but this also does play off what you just said. Okay, so here's it's a it's a speed round. It's a two uh, pronged question. Uh, is Jose Abreu going to be back with the White Sox, and is he going to be offered player manager the way they offered Paul Canerco a decade ago? Uh, Crystal, please give me your answer. Uh, no and no. Okay. <laughs> I don't think he'll be back. I want to see MDH and like on the Dodgers so he can actually get a damn ring. Hmm. All right. Interesting to see if he'll go play anywhere else outside the White Sox. You know, the White Sox have given him a lifetime contract. He's at least an ambassador for the rest of his life. There's no doubt about that. Just what he's done already. He certainly will continue to work, uh, you know, with, uh, with all the Latin players and bring and bringing them, listen, bringing Cuban players and Latin players uh, into the organization. Okay. Elizabeth, uh, it doesn't have to be a no, no. Uh, it doesn't have to be yes. And yes. So uh, what do you think about uh, Jose and his future? As positive and optimistic as I am, I do not think he will be back. Mm. He's just too valuable, um, and he's getting to a, a point in his career where um, I would like to see him re- win a ring because I like him as a person. Um, he's like a big kid to watch him. I mean, he came sprinting into the dugout when he scored a run and literally almost like ran into the wall. Um, he's always yelling and, and doing weird things. Um to the point my mom was like, was that Jose? (laughs) (laughs) Like he's just, I don't even, he's just so fun. Um, and everyone loves him. So I want what's best for him. Um, even if that means he's not wearing black and gray. He's yelling into the dugout before he's even scoring. He's yelling into the dugout. You know, the interplay Mm -hmm. is, is wonderful. Okay. I, I said it, I said it just one podcast ago and I'll say it now. He's not going anywhere. White Sox, White Sox are not going to let him go. I don't know why. I mean, you can argue that's not the right move, et cetera, or that he should want to be somewhere else like the, like the Dodgers where he can get an easy ring. Uh, I don't think the White Sox are going to let him go. We've already seen this behavior for guys who are over the hill. Jose Abreu is not over the hill, and he's still a productive player. And it's going to be – I mean, it's an impossible decision because you got 800 uh, first basemen in the system and DHs, uh, but you've also got Jose Abreu, who's as productive as anyone uh, on the team. So it's going to be a challenge, and I think that's always going to err on the side of family and uh, bringing back a guy, even if maybe it isn't the st- smartest move for Jose uh, or for the White Sox. Uh, okay, well, with with that goof question, um, but I don't think I, – I bet you they will talk to him about being player manager. If they did it with Canerco, they will still talk to him about it, but then Tony gets to manage forever if he wants to. So, wow, I ended on a terrible note. Uh, I apologize for that. Uh, Elizabeth and Crystal, thank you for uh, joining me and our Southside Sox listeners uh, on this talk about Detroit and the realistic chances the White Sox make the playoffs and winning the 2022 World Series, which is still possible. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Without uh, all of you out there, uh, we're not here. Uh, we'll be back with another podcast probably sooner than you're ready. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>